Company Watch Financial Analytics. And welcome to the 11th episode of our Company Watch Coronavirus podcast. I think I'm going to have to stop counting them soon. Um, I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Morning, Joe. We're recording today's episode on Friday, the 5th of June. And this week, we've seen the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Bill reappear in Parliament to continue its passage. But I think that was somewhat overshadowed by the Business Secretary, Alex Sharma, appearing unwell at the dispatch box and self-isolating with suspected coronavirus. Although we understand that he's actually had a negative test um, from that. So something else has has infected Parliament. Um, But the bill did pass through its committee and its third reading. So we'd expect that to receive royal assent in pretty short order. There's also been some more detailed um, released on the government trade credit insurance guarantee. And it looks like the government is going to be covering 90% of losses incurred by insurers. But according to the ABI press release, they'll also take 90% of the premiums. And it's an opt-in scheme. So we're going to wait to hear which insurers are going to participate in this. It looks like Eula and Atradius um, have indicated that they will join and others have got about a month to, to sign up. So we'll pick up on that again once we've got a better picture of which insurers have joined and what that's going to look like for insurers and policyholders. And of course, the prospects for trade credit in general, which we think is such a crucial part of, of keeping the economy going. Our attention today, though, is going to turn to what COVID-19 has done to the value of assets on corporate balance sheets and why the revaluations that are starting to happen across the market matter to to our listeners. So the murky world of asset valuation is something that's important to us at Company Watch and and users of our systems will know that we're perhaps a bit unfashionable in that we have been very highly sceptical of intangible asset valuation. But the valuation of assets is really an important part of funding because debt is secured against assets. And so the higher the value of the assets, the more funding is available. Um, and so the, the, the two parts of that of that system are starting now to, to come under scrutiny. And Nick, you know, you found some quite interesting stories this week about companies that are starting to feel the pinch of what a revaluation, a downward revaluation is going to mean to their ability to to raise funds. So perhaps you can set the scene and and, and give us an idea of what this what this means. Delighted, Joe. Um, yes, it's interesting. Every week as we do these things, you know, in the run-up, you look for stories and you look for themes and trends. And, and these two stories that have prompted this week, um, week's topic, uh, popped up. And it, it's difficult to ignore the seriousness of, of what's going on here. The first one that came out was the... Uh, was the airline Lufthansa, who having um, happily some weeks ago said, oh, we're fine in terms of cash flow, we're burning cash, but um, we've got unencumbered aircraft worth 10 billion and we're going to raise cash against them. And they owned, these were, air, these were aircraft Yes, yeah, so they're, they're unusual Lufthansa, you know, they're not into the leasing game, they buy their planes outright. Right. Um, well, that was fine a few weeks ago, but um, now suddenly... Uh, Lufthansa is saying um, we can't raise money on these planes, which either means that the aircraft finance market has shut down, mm-hmm. which is serious for that industry, or it means those planes are effectively worth nothing. And what it forced Lufthansa to do was, first of all, to go to the um, German government and borrow, uh, get, a, get a 9 billion euro bailout. And the consequence of that is they've announced this morning that they are going to um, go into a major 
restructuring, which will involve inevitably thousands of job losses, mm. but also um, major asset sales because they are now they can't raise cash anywhere else. They're having to sell assets because, of course, the bailout will have to be repaid under state aid rules. And that's, so that's a big that, that, that's a big, big need. Yeah. One, one minute, oh, we're fine. We've, we've got lots of assets to, uh, unencumbered. Now it's, oh, we've got a real problem. Um, we've had to borrow a lot of money from the government and we have to repair it, so we have to restructure. I mean, you might say they, they would have had to have done anyway because of the state of the airline industry and the predictions of the, of the slow um, return of, of passengers. So that's in, in, in aviation. Um, unsurprisingly, perhaps also, the story in the American oil industry, oh, sorry, in the oil industry, where a company called Seadrill, big, big um, operator, has um, announced that it's booked a $1.2 billion impairment on the value of its rigs, its oil rigs. Wow. Wow. That, I mean, that's a huge... Um, well, it is big one because this is a company that has 7.4 billion dollars of debt and presumably finance against yes a valuation yes yes yes, absolutely absolutely right and so now um they've called in uh experts to help them in discussions with their bankers and so we're the recognition or perhaps the realization of the shrinking asset value has pushed them into a formal restructuring so that's the second illustration. Interestingly, both of these are industries that were that had their own problems before coronavirus changed the commercial landscape, um, and and it, and it speaks to this whole business of being, of, you know, when you're assessing risk, think about the history of the industry, think about the strength of the company before all this started, mm-hmm. and it'll be a better guide towards the companies that you can. Uh, be more comfortable with and the ones you need to look at much more carefully. Third example, um, not to bury everybody with detail, but um, the poor benighted uh, shopping centre owner into, you know, which um, uh, accepted a little while ago that its um, shares, uh, therefore its its equity uh, was worthless, or so industry um, commentators said, announced this week its rent and service charge income in 2020, they now expect to drop by 37%. Compared to last year, that is... Compared to last year, which was already a bombed out year. Mm. And um, of course, because the way property valuation works, um, a lower income means the properties are worth less money. So in theory, it's not that simple. In theory, 37% drop in in the um, revenue line means that properties will drop by 37%. As I say, it's not that simple. But that would imply a £2.4 billion write-down of the uh, their property portfolio following a £2 billion write-down last year. Wow, so in two years, and that's what, about... Half. It's think? about half of the property in two years. Uh, in two years, <coughs> and, and, and you know, of course, we're saying retail is not the, the prospects aren't looking bright. You know, whereas in the in the travel sector, you might say, well, this is a this is a very temporary blip. You know, temporary. It might last for a year or two years, depending on vaccine and everything. But I think you with retail, we're not really looking at a, a bounce back in the same way in bricks and mortar retail, are we? Um, no. No, not at all. And, and, and well, let's not get into the detail of retail because we'll be, we'll be here forever. We'll come um, back when your Grimsy review comes out. We'll, we'll, yes, we'll, yes, we'll which is back to talk about that. On track for the, for the 15th of June, the Grimsy oh, review. Oh, great. Good, good. 
anyway, um, I, I sort of wanted um, to end my major bit of this discussion with a little homily about not believing what you read in a company balance sheet. And the the topic for this is the House of Fraser Group, the you know the department store owner, been through lots of ownership, been a bit a bit of a sort of um, commercial football passing around. And in 2014, it, uh, it was sold by Scottish owners to um, a Chinese retail company. And three and a half years later, um, it went bust, and Mike Ashley picked it up for ninety million pounds. All the assets for ninety million pounds. And at the time, that was seen as, you know, he got a bargain. Is he that, got a bargain. Is that fair to say. It's fair to say. Let me explain to you and to our listeners why it was not a bargain. This company, in its last published accounts, December two thousand sixteen, had total assets of one point one billion pounds. So 90 million looks like a bit of a steal. Doesn't it? Yeah. No, it's not. Let's run through this as quickly as possible. Running down the balance sheet, there was goodwill, acquisition goodwill from the deal when the Chinese bought it in, uh, two years earlier, of £424 million. Pounds. Wow. Worth nothing. Wow. It had other intangible assets of £172 million, pounds, £134 million. Pounds, was the brand. So again, nothing, really. Nothing. Um, computer software, 38 million, worth nothing. There were leased assets in the balance sheet for 22 million pounds. And I want to just briefly read from the accounts. And it says, lease assets represent the favorable property lease agreements where the annual rent at the time of acquisition is considered to be below market rent. So, so they're they, basically there saying we should have been paying this much more for our shops. So we're going to put the difference in the balance sheet. We're going Is to cap- right? capitalise the difference. We're going to monetize the difference and stick it in the balance sheet. Well, when you go bust, let me tell you, there ain't a hell of a lot of value in a well, there probably is in a positive lease lease uh, uh, arrangement. But not twenty three million. Not twenty three million, and you're not going to you're, you're you know the creditors mm. aren't going to see it. There was fifty odd million pounds worth of Property value, whoa, wonderful. No, they're leaseholds. Highly unlikely to have any value. Yeah. It was plant equipment uh, vehicles um, of 130 million worth nothing. And this is still fit out costs, you know, the, the, all the, of that the stuff, the, ve- the vehicles for yeah. delivering and all, you know, all, all of this stuff. Mm. And, and almost certainly, a large chunk of it almost certainly leased. So right. you need to look at the other side of the balance sheet. Um, I, I'm, I'm a great believer in the theory that you should never show leased assets except on a net basis. But, you know, that's an accounting nicety. Mm-hmm. Um, there were trade and other receivables of um, tw- 20-odd million, uh, 30-odd million pounds. No, they, actually, it's nearly all uh, money owed by a parent company offshore, um, prepayments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Worth worth nothing. So only seven million pounds was pounds was proper receivables. Wow. You've got deferred tax in the balance sheet, the potential value of deferred tax of twenty four million pounds. You've got 
the surplus on the pension scheme is in the balance sheet, fourteen million. And surely that should be ring fenced somewhere, shouldn't it? I mean, that is that's crazy. That's da 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 da. Absolutely right. Mm. And then, of course, the one thing you'd look at and say, "Oh, that's solid, one hundred and one million pounds worth of cash." But of course, it's only the cash sort of to run the stores, um, and it's uh, netted off against the money owed to the banks. So that disappears as well. I see. So. There was £136 million worth of uh, stock, inventory. That's what Mike Ashley bought. But it wasn't worth £90 million because, of course, it would all have been subject to reservation of title claims. So without being too cynical about it, the reason that Mike Ashley paid £90 million was, was because that's what the administrators needed to cover their costs and their fees to make it worthwhile doing the deal. And this is a bit of mind already. You're speaking as an ex. I'm an ex consultancy practitioner. I have been You've there. Seen a few I, things. I have done deals where things have been worth nothing, but there was no point in in doing the deal unless uh, unless the I got my costs covered for doing it. Mm. So call me cynical, but um, who was trading um, uh, on risk with this company on the basis of that balance sheet, or? what trade insurer was providing cover to suppliers mm. off that balance sheet. And this was, you know, all right, this is a balance sheet decimated by insolvency, and we all know that happens. But it's an object lesson in just look really closely at what it is that is supporting the company. And again, the problem here is um, once the lenders and the other stakeholders, you know, trade suppliers, insurers, the actual lenders, look at a balance sheet with a different eye, then you lose the funding half of the balance sheet. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, the, 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 in my good old days when I started out in accountancy 50 odd years ago, um, you had a left-hand side of the balance sheet with the assets on and, and the right-hand side with the liabilities on. And the two are connected um, and, and they're indivisible. You know, if you if, if you set fire to the left hand page, um, the right hand page goes up too. Yeah, I mean that's a good, that is. A good, I mean it's a it's a it's a story that um, I suppose has been in the in the press a lot over the, the the period, been quite controversial. But it is worth coming back to remember that you know intangible assets beware. Um, mm. And I, you know, I know all of our users will 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 know that our approach has, has always been to be very sceptical and not really give value to the the intangibles because, as you say, they can disappear in a in a in a puff, can't they? You yeah. you can there's so many things that can be can be hidden and and you really need. I suppose if we if we draw this to, to conclusions, I think it means that the the days of those annual customer supplier reviews are over, at least for for the key risks, because there's so much going on. Things are changing. Very quickly, there's a there's a, a sense of a contagion, a ripple effect. So some of these big um, companies that you may think don't affect you, actually, there will be a ripple effect down the supply chain, and you need to kind of be conscious of of where that might impact you and your um, and your business. Um, and again, to dig deeper, you know, those 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 key key risks, you need to be looking at the notes of the balance sheet. You need to be doing a bit more forensic digging and look at what was happening before. And is COVID going to be you know, just the thing that tips tips companies over the edge or, you know, were they good before and can they come through this, the other side? So I think that is the, those key messages, isn't it, really? So 
thank you <laughs> thank you a bit of a trip down memory lane but yes. also some some really you know good um up-to-date um stories that i'm sure we'll be we will be seeing more of these um revaluations um over the coming days and, and weeks so we'll obviously keep keep in touch with those so thank you very much everybody for for listening i think that brings us to the end of our podcast for this week um as always thanks to to nick thank you Pleasure. for listening and um goodbye